The following podcast will be addressing some heavy stuff, including mental health, drug use, trauma, and PTSD. But it will also aim to provide the listener with stories and solutions. It's a crazy world out there, so The Wholesome Degenerate is here to create a space you can feel comfortable being authentic to you, good, bad, and everything in between. Hello to all the beautiful humans out there. First, I want to thank you for jumping on board and choosing The Wholesome Degenerate to listen to. Whether you're cleaning the house, driving to work, going for a walk, wherever you listen to your podcasts, I look forward to joining in with you along for the ride. Now, in the interest of transparency, I just want to start things off by saying I am no tech guru, so I want to apologize for any shitty audio quality, any issues that come up, but... Um, I'd love um, any criticism you have, so I'm always looking to improve. Um, So yeah, I just wanted to preface the podcast by saying that because um, while I'm no tech guru, I am someone with some insight and perspective into the world we live in, just like you guys are. So while we're finding our feet as a podcast, our formatting may change, but I think the intention will always be the same behind it. And what makes me qualified to even be talking about this Um, I guess that's something I will hope I will be able to show you throughout the podcast and the content that it contains, but I think it's just easiest if we start with why I'm here and what I want to achieve with all of this. I think um, I speak for everyone when I say this, but sometimes, you know, uh, it's varying degrees of chaos, but um, my life has been pretty chaotic for the lack of a better word. Um, Sometimes through my own actions, I would say, (laughs) but other times, you know, life just throws you curveballs and you have no, no play in how it pans out. Um, So yeah, I feel like I'm not alone in that, but as a collective, we were less likely to discuss the chaos and um, sort of what happens after everything's said and done as openly and as in-depth as I plan to. Um, I feel like the best way to do this is to like just stop rambling, but it's going to be hard for me. (laughs) Um, And yeah, just give you guys some insight into what has brought me to this point. Um, Like I said, chaos has been a common theme, but you know, it's also created some really cool experiences and opportunities that I just wouldn't trade for the world. Um, But we'll get into more of that later. Um, I'm not a person at all who's come here to um, claim that I'm some sort of guru or influencer or anything like that. And I'm sure as shit not going to try and sell you any one trick method to turn your life around or anything like that. Growth is a weird, uncomfortable subject, but it comes with some pretty beautiful shit when we embrace it. Realistically, I'm just a 26 year old looking for a sign that the world isn't as bad as we think it is. That there are like-minded people trying to expand their perspective and outlook to embrace sorry, <laughs> authenticity and growth. Um, and yeah, hopefully that this podcast or, you know, this community can create a space that people feel safe to be strong but vulnerable and open and supported. Um, but in saying that, we're always down some, some for some solid chats and cheeky banter. So I want this to podcast to sort of be a way to tackle some heavy topics in a no bullshit way that is kind of engaging but not too preachy. I think too often we're expected to present a really heavy, heavily regulated self in our public spaces just to make sure that we fit in or to feel like, you know, we have to deny our raw emotions because letting them show in public is a sign of weakness. I'm a chronic public crier and... (laughs) 
it probably makes other people uncomfortable but I'm telling you like getting it out in the moment is the best thing that you can do because it just you know takes away um any possibilities for you to overthink it or anything like that you're just dealing in the moment but that's always easier said than done I think I'm super comfortable now with my emotions not so much before and um, expressing them in a healthy way as well and I think for me a healthy way to express my express my emotions is to just have a solid cry in public um, but moving on I that's what I want to do here I want to open up a space for this information to be presented and discussed in a way that not only encourages the um, listener to think critically about the world around them but to carry those conversations forward with their friends, with their family, co-workers, whatever. And then also, it'd be nice to give you guys a giggle every now and again, because laughter is always fun. Something that motivated me to take this risk and put myself out there is to hopefully motivate others so that they never feel like less than, or they never feel like, you know, they're fighting a losing battle. Um, and yeah, I hope by telling you a little bit more about my journey, it can help you to understand why I'm so passionate about this and why creating this community um, or trying to create this community is so important to me. Growing up, I always wanted to be normal. I knew from pretty much a very young age that my brain was just a little bit different. I still remember like fits of rage and fits of anger and not knowing how to control it or what to do with it because the only way that I knew to express anger as a child was to yell and scream. But I knew, you know, as a kid that that would get me in trouble. So I kind of just internalized it. And um, I still remember reading this, an article from like the local newspaper. I think it was like the Bayside Bulletin or something like that. And um, I think I was in about year five. And I just had that realization in that moment, um, reading in this article about depression how much I aligned with the symptoms, but I was 10 years old. So, you know, to me, depression, mental health issues were like an adult thing, air quotes, adult thing. Um, and so it was probably just me imagining things and, you know, as if that would happen to me, I have, a, I have a good family, I have a good home, all of that sort of stuff. It was hard for me to understand. But now at the age of 26, after, you know, having these feelings for well over I would say like 15 to 18 years. I've been diagnosed with ADHD and bipolar type 2. So the bipolar type 2 is issues with regulating your like mood and it's not mania but hypomania. Um, so yeah I'll, I'll go into that a bit more in another episode I think but I think for now I'm just trying to give you guys a quick skim, quick understanding, quick summary of you know the few big major life things that push me to this point now um but yeah with the diagnosis it made everything that i'm about to explain sort of finally make sense after years of feeling left out feeling like i don't belong i would always attribute it to my upbringing you know maybe there was some big lesson that i missed out on or something my parents didn't tell me it honestly felt like i was walking upstream while others were just floating on by but, you know, receiving this diagnosis as an adult, I think, has been a bit of a blessing in disguise. It's helped me really understand that I'm not alone in my struggles and they aren't just something I've made up because I'm overthinking it, 
you know, they are real valid experiences. I think maybe if I had have gotten this diagnosis as a child, it would have put me in the position as the other. So I kind of would have like self-isolated thinking that, you know, I'm not like everyone else. I've got this thing that makes me different, but receiving it as an adult, it's kind of the other way around. I'm realizing that I am not alone and that there are so many other people who think like me and feel like me. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, as much as it would have been awesome to get a diagnosis as a child, sometimes a late diagnosis can be a bit of a blessing in disguise, but let's wind things back a little bit. Um, mental health aside, um, you know, you're, you are a person outside of your mental health. And I think it's really important that we highlight that and then celebrate that while also acknowledging, you know, the things that you, we do carry with us as people. But I grew up in Southeast Queensland, about 35 minutes from the city. Um, it was with my mum, my younger sister and my younger sister's dad. Um, let's call him Frank instead of his real name. Um, yeah, I had what I thought was a pretty cruisy childhood, you know, a few little bumps in the road here and there, but for the most part, you know, I had food on the table. I got to go do my extracurricular things. I got to go to school and I had clothes on my back. You know, there wasn't anything majorly wrong. That was until we kind of got to grade 11. I would say shit hit the fan physically, spiritually, and metaphorically like puberty and hormones aside, push that to the side. The family unit that I was in was dealing with some pretty major changes. Um, my little sister's dad, sorry, was working away at the time and um, just a bunch of stuff came up about him, about what he'd been doing for the last few years. Um, and this info just kind of changed the course of the family and the way we as young women, myself, my sister and my mum, sort of viewed the world. Um, unbeknownst to mum, I was holding on to my own pain caused by Frank a few years earlier that I hadn't told anyone about. So then when this info came up, you know, mum automatically divorced him and you know, the divorce followed a fake cancer diagnosis, then mum getting cancer, then che him cheating on mum and him, you know, having credit cards in other people's names and all those fun little adventures. Um, so yeah, the last few years of high school got to be a little bit chaotic in the family respect. So I think I kind of just dove headfirst into my friends, my work, my everything else outside of the family. Um, and that's sort of where, you know, I want to leave that part of the story because although it's such a massive part in my story and shaping me to be who I am, it's not just my story. It's also a big part of my sister and my mom's sort of life. And I would never want to take away from their experiences or interfere with their journey to healing. I've worked really hard to move past that time in my life and I've been really lucky to work through it with some mental health professionals, but mum and my sister are still sort of on their own journey to healing in a way. And maybe, you know, one day they'll be ready to sit down with me and we can talk all about it and sort of um, talk about the ways that it impacted us. But I think for now, it's good to just sort of skim over it so that you can sort of have a bit of understanding as to why, you know, I went from being a very like goody two shoes in a sense to just like a reckless abandon and not really caring about what happened to me. 
So you take that cheeky trauma that, you know, came from the divorce and then you tie that in with the experience of just growing up. And my brain just had nothing to anchor it to reality. You know, everything was just running in overdrive. I thought, you know, um, I had no idea what to believe in anymore. You know, the role models that I had in the way of my family, my parents had kind of broken my trust and I wasn't sure how to recover from that. Um, So yeah, year 12 was approaching fast and I think my focus really changed towards the end of grade uh, grade 11. I went from, you know, really wanting to push for that school captain, um, trying to, you know, be on a good trajectory for uni so I could get a good OP and then I could, you know, go straight into, I just wanted to be a career gal. I was ready for it and I was ready to do whatever I needed to to get there. But that determination um, changed from being focused on school to being focused on doing what I could to impress people. So I am a very determined person and I can get anything done when I put my mind to it. I was just putting my mind towards the wrong things. I was more interested in my older boyfriend, making money, going out to parties or going out clubbing underage. You know, not to say that that's more radical than the next person, but I think we all go through like varied expressions of that behavior one way or another through like risk-taking behaviors. But essentially I just wanted to do or try anything that would take my mind off of what was going on at home. And I guess you could say, this is sort of what I would consider to be the beginning of um, living in survival mode. Um, I think, you know, survival mode, sort of has a connotation of like you know cavemen sort of vibes and that's really what I went with you know to me survival mode is just you know a state of being that exists in really unpredictable and high stress times and high emotional environments I think within these environments you don't have the privilege of a routine to stick to consistent eating habits or any real form of self-care or mindfulness To me, um, I guess you could say self-survival mode is doing whatever you can to get by without really dealing dealing with what's going on under the surface. And um, I guess at that point, survival mode was in full swing. (laughs) I didn't talk to anyone in my family about the ways I felt betrayed and just sort of distanced myself from them purely and simply because I felt sort of a bit of shame around feeling and embracing my emotions. I sort of I was not putting myself in an environment that aligned with my core values. Instead, I was running from support and straight into the arms of ego and a victim mentality. And I think it was very easy for me to do that because some crazy stuff did happen. But, you know, I didn't have anybody to show me that living in that state of mind is never going to help. I kind of had to unlearn that myself. Um, So, yeah, it was super duper crazy during that time and um just the I guess cherry on top of the cake was um after not knowing my dad for my entire life um he jumped into the picture about two weeks before my 17th birthday so you know I'd just gone through a divorce my mom had just been diagnosed with cancer I had just met my dad for the first time and learned that I had a whole other family like shit was pretty hectic you know (laughs) Uh, but I managed to graduate, had an amazing time at schoolies and, you know, I had a really cool group of friends then. I think, you know, 
we were all doing our best to just get by and a lot of the things we did together weren't super healthy or weren't good for us but at the time we were having the best time ever and I will never ever regret that I think I feel very lucky to have had the experiences I have had to get me to this point um, but anyways, <laughs> after school, I did do some sort of part-time work at a few different places, sort of working mostly in like a cafe environment. I sort of spent the first two years after school going to every festival, concert, club night, anything I could. I surrounded myself with people who would really encourage that party lifestyle. And I really didn't have much time for people that didn't fit into that mold. Essentially, I was living a life or my life for others and trying to fit a mold that I would say really wasn't made for me. I am a social person, but this sort of lifestyle was super draining um, to me, both mentally and physically. I wasn't really eating properly, taking care of myself mentally. I was just doing whatever I could to harm myself in a subtle way that didn't worry other people. You know, it was just enough to be getting by and not worrying others but also just enough to be making my life difficult in ways that it just didn't need to be difficult. Um, I think being the eldest sibling, I really clung on to this identity um, that was rooted in being like a really independent person who didn't need help from anybody. So I think, I think that meant when I finally realized that the life I had been living, the one that ended me up in a DV relationship with a criminal conviction, no grasp on my mental health, and the shell of the enthusiastic, enthusiastic, bubbly, motivated person I considered myself to once be, I was fighting with this duality in my brain, you know? Growing up, I was a gifted child who could read, who could do all that sort of stuff. But as I got older, the feelings of, you know, not being good enough, of lack, and what feeling like, I guess you could say like an imposter, started to surface. You know, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what made me me or what I could do to change that people pleaser that was so strong in me. I sort of had to, um, I guess you could say, start from scratch in terms of getting to know me and the things that made me, me. So the people that used to feel like home, the people that used to feel like I could rely on them, you know, they all felt so foreign and I just didn't feel like I could relate to them anymore. But I think this is really a theme that so many of us um, experience as young adults. You know, it really makes me want to step back and ask why? Why is this experience so universal? You know, is it just a part of growing up, our like coming of age? Or are there larger sort of institutional forces that guide us down this pathway? Because you know, let's be real, in the times where I have felt safe enough to open up and be honest about my vulnerabilities, generally the person I'm opening up to feels the same or can understand it in some capacity. So why is it that we think, you know, we have to have everything together? You know, where are we getting this idea from? Understandably, there's the generations before us and things like social markers that guide us into adult, adulthood. So those social markers might be going to uni, moving out of home, graduating, getting your first big full-time job, then buying a house and getting married and starting a family. And you know, what? but I guess, what's the point in that? If you don't know yourself, if you don't understand how you fit into the world around you, 
is doing those things because other people do, are doing them really going to give you the fulfillment you're looking for? I think some people will probably say yes. You know, some people will say that these experiences, if you do them in a linear way, will help you get to know yourself, which I agree um, to a certain point. I think ultimately you spend that time trying to fit in that mold because you've seen other people do it. You're not doing it because it's something that you want for yourself. I don't know if that makes sense, but <laughs> um, you know, it does make it easier for you to navigate the capitalist society we live in if you do follow that linear pathway. You know, these normative markers of adult experience aren't something that works for everyone. You know, I did, I got, a, I have a degree. I've lived out of home since I was 17, but still haven't had a full-time job to this day. I just sort of drift in and out of work, which is something that works for me and um, the way I structure my lifestyle. Whereas, you know, my, I have friends that have structured their entire life around work and that works for them. So I guess, you know, what I'm trying to say is, you know, you can meet those normative markers. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You know, there's nothing wrong with going to uni. There's nothing wrong with moving out of home. There's nothing wrong with working a full-time job for someone else that isn't you, you know, for another boss. I think what isn't okay is when that's all there is, when there's nothing outside of that. I think, you know, that's where people get wound up in these false ideas and then they uh, base their entire life off these false ideas and then they project those false ideas onto other people. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is we're living in a world now where everyone is slowly becoming more accepting of all the differences that sort of occur between us as humans but we're still holding ourselves to the same old way of thinking and the same old markers of adulthood. Um, here at The Wholesome Degenerate, we want to explore these ideas more to better understand what it is that guides us, not only as individuals, but as a society. I feel like the body, the mind and the self have become sort of such a central part of social discourse that there is this culturally agreed upon ideal body type, ideal personality type, and um, you know, that's just best suited for the current cultural and social climate. And I think it's one that puts a really large emphasis on work on a work hard mentality, which doesn't leave much time for self-care, creative expression, or like any sort of leisure really. I think we often base our leisure around something that complements our work. So whether that's, you know, riding an electronic scooter because you live in the city and work in the city or just sort of that sort of thing. I think real emphasis on work hard mentality. I think it's paved the way for a bit of an airy fairy self-care practices that are at most a band-aid to the larger issues brewing underneath the surface. I mean, that's not to say that, you know, putting on a face mask, have, having a glass of bubbly and eating some chocolate on the couch is a bad thing or something that doesn't help because some days, you know what, it really does. Some days just putting extra effort into your appearance is perfectly good enough for a form of self-care. But by doing that long-term, is it really addressing what's causing you to feel all these overwhelming emotions, you know, 
Self-care can come in so many different capacities and what sort of works for you is not going to be what works for me. I think, you know, for me, some, some days self-care is eating whatever I feel like watching Beverly Hills Housewives or, you know, Housewives of Melbourne and smoking a little something, something to help me get through the day. But other days it's putting on something cute, popping on some makeup and hanging out with the homies, you know. But I feel like the self-care I get the most from is the one I do when no one's watching. I think, you know, <laughs> those random conversations you have with yourself while you're walking around the house or walking around the shops, um, taking your time to asking yourself questions, I think when you get a bit heated or heightened emotions. So I know for me, one thing that I'm really trying to work on at the moment is this feeling like I have to rush everywhere. And this feeling like I have to rush everywhere means I'm constantly in a state of stress, which means I've constantly got all the muscles in my body just tensed. So I'm always in this tense, really high energy state of being. So I took a second the other day and I was like, you're going to walk as slow as everybody else in the shops. Take a breath with each walk and just really take a second to be present while you're going for a walk through to the grocery shop. And it was crazy, like my heart slowed down, my shoulders dropped, you know, it's just those little things that you don't realize can make a big difference because you're not paying attention to them. I think, you know, having those honest conversations with ourselves and taking a minute to try and understand what's led us to believe in what we do and what values are sort of central to us as individuals, that's when you can really better understand, you know, what it is that is making you upset. So for me, a really massive part of my values is respect. So that means people who use their manners, um, people who communicate, um, you know, when they're, they consider you in their plans. Um, that's something that's massive for me and is really a big value to me. So I now know that if someone doesn't communicate with me that, you know, oh, I'm leaving in five minutes and I'll be there in 20, that's not them doing anything to hurt my feelings. That's just not something that they value as heavily as I do. So I think that extends into so many different things. Once you realize what your values are, you understand that when somebody does something that doesn't align with your values, it doesn't necessarily make them a bad person. It just means what they value is a little bit different. And that's where you can have that realistic conversation with yourself and say, is this difference, is this difference in values something I can sit with or is it something that I have to walk away from? And I think that's where the real sort of work gets done because you're no longer living your life for other people. You're living your life for what feels right for you. Yeah, there's this saturated, positive vibes only sort of mindset. And that works for some people or that's what initially draws people into this space. But I think we need to move past that. And I think that's what I really want to emphasize is working from the inside out and addressing our learned behaviors and addressing our attachments and our toxic traits. Um, I think, you know, by doing that, that's a lot more assertive and a lot more efficient. 
Um, so yeah, I really do, you know, that's not to say that the positive vibes mindset doesn't work, isn't helpful to some people because it is, but I'm hoping that I can marry sort of the two together and encourage people to try and find the positives in things, but also encourage people to have a really realistic look at themselves and the environments that they're in. And, you know, honest, a more assertive approach, some could say. Um, I really hope to marry the two together, you know, the positive vibes only and the more shadow work, more that sort of stuff. I want to marry the two together to show that, you know, by doing that, you can create sustainable growth. It's not going to be something where you feel good for five days and then reality creeps back in. It's something where we're taking slow, actionable steps together to create you know, more understanding about what it is that, you know, makes us us. Um, something that moves with the ebbs and flows of life, I think, is what I'm trying to say. Um, I want to do that while using my background in sociology and criminal justice. I have a degree in that. <laughs> and my own life experiences to provide um, not only an engaging podcast, but also, like I said, some actionable steps for us as a community to take with us once we've listened. Um, and I hope to do that by, you know, bringing on board professional people, um, people who are sort of specialized in their spaces, but also just some friends of mine that have some really cool experiences that, you know, by sharing them, hopefully can provide some insight into how we are all connected through our thoughts, feelings, and emotions. Um, but yeah, coming back to this notion of survival mode that I mentioned before, I feel like this is something that I've been lucky, very, very lucky to come out of with the experience of mental health professionals in a very safe environment. Now, I wanna start by saying not everybody has that privilege of identifying when they're in survival mode while they're in the grips of it. Um, for me, it took a little bit of self-analyzing um, and really, you know, having a look at the lifestyle I had and I'd noticed a pattern where I'd get to a certain point in the year, I'd have no money, I would have fallen out with my friends and I would just be feeling really, really low. So I was like, what can I do to get past that? And I think it took a few years to really acknowledge it and be aware of it and then another few years to start unlearning it. So, you know, I would say this whole journey for me sort of began in 2013, where I acknowledged these patterns and it took me quite a while, probably I would say up until 2018, 2019, to even start making a change in these patterns. Um, yeah, for a while I was aware of what I was doing, but I couldn't do anything to change it just because I didn't want to, I think. but. Come 2019, I finished uni, I was finally out of my toxic relationship, and I was genuinely ready. I was ready for all that life had to offer. I was living in a healthy environment with some amazing housemates. Shout out Haley and Jess. Um, I was eating well, I was working in a job that I didn't absolutely hate. Shout out to the Griffith Bacon Grind for paying me way too much to make coffee and chat with uni students. But anyways, <laughs> um, life really was finally feeling like something I had chosen for me and not something I'd done just because it seemed like the right thing at the time. Um, but 
you know, something still felt off. Like, you know, something was just lurking around the corner, something bad waiting to happen. And I just could not be content with what I'd worked towards. I still remember driving home after submitting my final uni assessment and turning the car off in the driveway and just bursting into tears because I was like, what now? What am I supposed to do now? I've spent so long in survival mode that I didn't make the most of uni. Yeah, I've got a degree, but I like partied so hard that I got a criminal conviction. So I can't really use my degree. You know, it all, my foundations all came crumbling down at once, but that was the best thing that could have happened. Um, that's when I really just reached out and was like, I need help. What I'm doing right now is not maintainable. And so that's when I was sort of put in touch with my occupational therapist. Um, and she was incredible. She really helped me strip back and understand where the stress was coming from and how it was being created and sort of, you know, what I could do to stop it. Um, but yeah, anyways, <laughs> um, I think, yeah. After I found that occupational therapist, she's the one who introduced me to survival mode and the ideas around survival mode. And that's when I realized I had genuinely been running off of stress and adrenaline for the past five years. That is what had fueled me. Some people have coffee in the morning. I just need a little bit of drama and then I'm set for the day. And that was just not maintainable. Um, I was just so used to making it work in such crazy conditions, whether it was work, toxic relationships, you know, if there was stress or chaos, that's generally where I thrived. And now that there was none, my mind was so understimulated. And that's when COVID hit. I'd spent the last few years balancing all these crazy things, you know, my, my uni work, two different jobs, a toxic boyfriend, making time for friends, partying, you know, working, modeling, all of that sort of stuff, I'd gone to nothing. I, I had nothing, none of that. So it was like, what has changed? And it was the toxicity. I had taken all of those negative things out of my life, but I was still unhappy. So that's where I sort of really started to figure out what it was that was important to me and what it was that filled up my cup because I'd created a really false sense of happiness through the previous way that I used to live and the previous risk-taking behaviors that I engaged in. I'd created this false sense of happiness that was completely external to me. Um, now with COVID, there was nothing to distract me. I couldn't just go travel to another country. I couldn't go out clubbing. I couldn't really rely on my old coping mechanisms. And I guess you could say this sent me into quite the downward spiral. I had, I was experiencing a really hectic depressive episode, feeling like everything that I had pushed through was for nothing, that it didn't matter how hard you worked, it could all be taken away from you at the drop of a hat. So I've spent the last year or so in a cycle of really trying to teach myself how to relax after not having the chance to for so long, to then feeling guilty because, you know, I wasn't girl bossing hard enough. I tried new jobs in new industries and nothing's really worked out. I've been left feeling like I had no hope, no matter how hard I tried. But the reality was I'd spent my life trying to utilize tools that don't necessarily work for me. 
I was essentially a square trying to squish myself, squish myself into a triangle to fit in or a triangle trying to fit myself into the square. Whatever Missy Higgins says, you know, the, you know, the line. <laughs> Uh, but then after a while of meeting with different psychologists, occupational therapists, drug counselors and psychiatrists for you know the last five years, I was diagnosed with my current diagnosis um, of the ADHD and bipolar type 2. I came to realize that it was my approach that was the issue. After years and years of feeling like it's all my fault, I'm just some fucked up person. No, not at all. It's just that I've been approaching things from the wrong perspective. I've been trying to stick to this rigid routine or, you know, try and fit myself into this box. But what I need to do is just go with the ebbs and flows that come with having ADHD and bipolar too. So, you know, I realized it was time for me to pick up some new habits and, you know, find some new tools to help me move forward. Um, But yeah, I'm in no way a mental health professional. And I don't ever want to claim to be something I'm not. So if, you know, anything that has, I have spoken about throughout the episode has brought up any issues or any feelings, um, my inbox is open. I'm always here. Um, I want to start putting out, you know, infographs at the end of the podcast to sort of help anybody who's struggling. Um, But yeah, I just want to make sure I'm getting the content from the right sort of areas. So it might take me a little bit to get those infographs together, but As I was saying, if anything's brought up, any feelings, any emotions, anything like that, um, you can always message me and I can try and um, guide you along to the appropriate pathways to get some help, you know, or to have someone else listen to you. Um, But I'm always here to listen. But hopefully by me speaking about my experience, not only in this episode, but across future episodes, it can pr- help provide you guys with a chance to recognize patterns in your life or in your friends' lives, anything like that. And then hopefully, you know, by the guests I have on sharing their own stories on how they've made it through their survival mode to live a balanced life, um, that can help, you know, encourage you guys to have a bit more of an engaging conversation about what we can do to help ourselves. So I hope to use my experience in the field of sociology, mostly, to provide a perspective of society that some of us may or may not have heard of, while also exploring topics through my own personal lens as a cis mid-twenties woman, and getting guests on board to show, I guess, another perspective, because I have such an amazing network of friends that it'd be silly not to... um, utilize their wonderful stories to help others as well want to find my community of people who are introverted extroverts the people who want to conquer the world but also can't get out of bed some mornings (laughs) the people who fall somewhere in the middle of what society defines a hard working pro-social member of the community and those on the fringes of society i want to find my fellow wholesome degenerates Um, I think with each week, I will aim to have a different guest on to help sort of explore ideas and patterns of thinking further. With each guest and each podcast, I hope to break it up with a few different segments to break up the content of the podcast. Um, But for this podcast, I just wanted the chance to sort of sit down with you guys, have a nice candid conversation and um, just sort of give you a little bit more insight into what's inspired me to um, start this podcast and to 
um, be vulnerable like this because it is, it does feel weird. (laughs) Um, but yeah, um, I know we're all still really adjusting to this new environment. I think, you know, we're trying to find the balance between navigating this new social space and just doing what makes you feel good in order to regain some sort of control over your life. So I hope by creating this podcast, it will give you not just an escape from the chaos, but manageable and actionable steps that we can all sort of take together to be equipped to tackle any situation head on, but also to honor ourselves by finding the tools for sustained growth in an ever-changing world and creating a strong community at the exact same time. I keep hitting the microphone. I'm really sorry. (laughs) I'm a bit of a lanky human, so I'm doing my best. Um, But as I've said a million, million times in different ways throughout the whole podcast, this, this podcast, The Wholesome Degenerate, I want it to be a mix of personal development, spirituality, sociological and criminological insight, with story times and beautiful guests that provide an alternative perspective to mine. I just want it to be a smorgasbord of stuff that will help us better align with our values and beliefs so that we can reevaluate our understandings of what we consider to be social norms and really work to elevate that consciousness. Um, There already exists so much content currently in this space and um i think it's very easy to get lost in this space as well of you know personal development and self-care all that sort of stuff so i hope that we can um clear up the muddy water a bit and really create a community that encourages us to be our true selves not just this idealized self that we see so much on social media so yeah Thank you so much for stopping in and listening. Um, This is just our first episode. There's still so many more exciting things to come. Um, I'm sorry for using the word um so much, (laughs) but I will work on that. I think I just want to say thank you so, 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 so much to getting this far and listening to me. Um, I think there's still so much of my story I'm excited to share, but I want to do that by first bringing some really awesome guests to you guys to share their story as well because i think right now we just need a little bit of wholesomeness in our life and we always love i feel like it's the aussie way to have a little bit of a degenerate in us (laughs) but um yeah thank you so much and i'm super super looking forward to the next one and um any feedback you have um send it my way um yeah our instagram is the wholesome degenerate it's all one word there i go hitting the microphone again yeah our instagram is the wholesome degenerate it's all one word um i'm still working out where i'm gonna publish this but i'll be sure to include that in any instagram posts or anything like that um but yeah check us out on insta at the wholesome degenerate and thank you so much for tuning in you guys are absolute legends bless your souls thank you bye